There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped at 10 Ranch Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant with 27 years of service. And with me tonight, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? I don't know, man. People were getting used to uh, me doing my show solo without you, man. I was saying, where's hey. Phil, man? I don't know. <laughs> He's at Spumoni Gardens making some pizzas. I don't know. I don't know where he is. <laughs> Phil's a busy guy, so so every once in a while I have to I have to write solo. It's easier when I have him here, but sometimes I got to write solo. It's uh, it's very challenging doing these by yourself. I'll tell you that. One day, my son, you will you will figure that out. You'll do it yeah, yourself. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to definitely try it out. We'll <laughs> give it a shot. Yeah. So, folks, you know the Gonzalo Lopez case. Everyone has been asking me that. We're not go- going to be covering that tonight, but I'm I'm going to mention it right now. Right now, of course, there is no new information. That's why I'm not covering it tonight. We're waiting to hear. You know, we've been preaching the fact with this case that we believe it's an inside job. We believe that uh, he had help. We believe there's some incompetence with this case. You know, right here, here you got the minister of misinformation. Uh, <laughs> this guy, this guy, I can't believe the information he throws out there and. Uh, you know, sometimes in the chat, you know, we as New York cops, we take a little uh, a little heat, not because we think we know everything. We don't know everything, and that's no doubt. But when when we see things that point us in a certain direction, we say it. We're not going to hold back. And this, this case of this escaped prisoner, Gonzalo Lopez, is horrible. It's really a horrible comedy of errors. And when, you know, this was on the heels of the escape of Casey White and uh, Vicky White. And there was a whole other different type of case where undoubtedly from minute one, they had, they had, you know, she was involved. And, you know, they had all of these firearms, they had all that time to plan. But this case is, is very different, except it appears that he had help. And, um, you know, people question when for the first seven days, they stayed in a five-mile perimeter that perimeter that they swore he was in this five-mile perimeter. And we don't know what information they had that led them to believe that, but it didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. And so we, you know, we were critical of it. And, uh, you know, some people were critical of us in the chat. That's fine. You know, we're big guys. We can even put our old bulletproof vests on if you want. But uh, we got our opinions. Philly, what do you think? Well, listen, I think all the uh, signs would add that that was obviously some type of inside job based on the fact that, the you know, we went through all the things with the, uh, you know, the two guards being present. He's cutting through the gate. Too many things happened there. Uh, you know, if one of the protocols was uh, not followed and violated or two, maybe even, you're talking about four or five different things. Uh, there was a video of him running into the field, the police officer standing by not knowing or maybe ignoring whether he was running through that field. So, yeah, there's uh, definite uh, uh, red flags all over this case. I'm sure we're going to hear something real soon. I don't think, uh, you know, they're going to continue to search that area. I mean, how many times can you search it? At some point, they're going to say he's not in the area. He's believed to be wherever he's believed to be, you know. So we'll get that, I'm sure, soon. Um, tonight's case is is really uh, – it's kind of a heartbreaker too. It's uh, indicative of uh, these domestic violence type of uh, incidents that we've we've profiled a couple of them recently, and uh, here we go. We have another one. So, uh, yeah, I I think uh, this is going to be an interesting case. It's it's got some uh, salacious details to it, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, you know, Phil, this this case has everything that would um, lead you to believe it's going to be very popular. With the public, and then you hear you have this little love triangle, and the person in the middle, her name is Caitlin Marie Armstrong, 
And she lives with the fellow on the left, Colin Strickland, who's a professional bicycle rider. Uh, and the woman on the right, her name is Anna Maria Wilson. She's only 25 years old, and she's one of the top uh, professional bicyclists in the world. So to give you the story in a, basically in a nutshell is that um, Colin Strickland in October started to have an affair with Anna Mariah Wilson. And apparently, uh, Caitlin Marie Armstrong, and I hate to throw all these names at you right out there because it gets confusing, but the woman in the middle of this picture, uh, Caitlin Marie Armstrong, she gets incensed and she's heard to say that uh, she's going to kill her. So at some point, and I don't know why, I don't know why this occurred, at some point, Colin Strickland buys two 9mm handguns, one for him and one for Caitlin Marie Armstrong. And apparently the, the affair uh, reignited to the point where um, Colin Strickland was back seeing Anna Mariah. And he claims, of course, it was strictly platonic and, um, and, and professional in nature. But I think uh, common sense said, says otherwise, right? They had texts uh, from the night of the slaying show that Strickland lied to Armstrong about where he had been to hide. He was with Wilson throughout the evening. So he was hiding something, not because he was, you know, uh, conferring with her on the terrain of their next course on their on their bicycle ride. There was some real involvement, you know, uh, romantic involvement in these two. So somewhere on the evening of May 11th, um, Anna Mariah Wilson was staying at a friend's house. This was, of course, in, in Texas. Um, and she went home to her friend's house. And at some point, she was shot to death with a nine millimeter uh, and was discovered on the floor, I believe, of the bathroom, dead by her friend who she, who's with whom, whose house she was staying at. Now, this seems like a crime of passion. And the fact that I don't know how well it was planned, uh, but rage and to get, you know, we've seen these before, Phil. You've seen them before on the NYPD. I've seen these before too. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, especially when you see the people that are involved here. They're, um, th this is this is the shooter. Uh, the alleged shooter. Let me use the word alleged. This is Caitlin Marie Armstrong. She's 34 years old. She's, she's a yoga instructor. And she was brought in by the police early on in the investigation. I believe it was on the 17th of May. So that would have been like uh, six days after the shooting. And she was questioned, but they had nothing to hold her on. So they had to let her go. And she subsequently has disappeared. Where has she gone? Everyone loves to say, oh, she escaped to Mexico. Folks, I don't know if you know that Me Mexico has an extradition treaty with the United States since 1978. And since that time, 2,000 felons have been returned to the United States by Mexico. So if you make it to Mexico, that doesn't mean you're home free. Yeah, Mexico does. A, yeah, I mean, back in the, you know, in the 1800s when, you know, uh, Frank and Jesse James were looking to uh, flee to Mexico uh, they didn't have that extradition treaty till 1978, but now they have it. And um, a tipster told police that when Armstrong learned in January about Strickland's relationship with Wilson, she became furious and was shaking in anger and wanted to kill Wilson. The American statesman reported citing the affidavit. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions in this case. Of course, it needs a lot more investigation. And um, there you have uh, Katie Marie Armstrong next to her boyfriend, Colin Strickland. And I think that the police are implying now that they don't believe he had anything to do with this, but something's a little, I'll use the word fugazi again. Why do you buy someone who's spurned, who's, who's livid about your affair, buy them a nine millimeter? Uh, that's the uh, Anna Mar Mariah Wilson on that bicycle. 
one of the best professional bicyclists in the world, only 25 years old. Um, this is a, a ring camera where right on the 11th, at about the time of the shooting or prior, that is uh, Caitlin Marie Armstrong's car driving by the house that um, Anna Mariah Wilson was staying at. The top picture is a swimming pool where um, Colin Strickland and um, Anna Mariah Wilson went swimming prior to this. So all of this information is there. It's all documented. So this looks like a pretty damn strong case once they do put it together. Um, just a shame, young people involved here, um, destroying their lives. Uh, the, the woman on the left in this photo is Anna Mariah Wilson. Uh, here's another picture of a young girl, 25 years old. Just just a, an absolute shame. But these are the kind of cases, I think, that folks that, that watched uh, Texas Woman in Love Triangle accused of killing pro cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson. I mean, just think of this poor girl's family. What a waste of a life, of a really fruitful, really um, a life that was going to be filled with happiness and helping people and accomplishment and uh, snuffed out over, uh, over I guess, just this stupid love triangle. That's Colin Strickland, the picture. Uh, he's also a professional bicyclist. And again, there's the, uh, the picture of uh, Anna Mariah Wilson. And here's the wanted poster uh, with Caitlin Marie Armstrong, who is the alleged shooter in this case. Phil, thoughts? Yeah, just uh, to go over the names, Anna Mariah Wilson, Caitlin Marie Armstrong, and Colin Strickland, for the sake of being consistent and not getting confused, and I'm going to refer to them as Colin, Caitlin, and Anna. So back in October, uh, mid-October to early November, apparently between Colin and Caitlin, there was a breakup, and he started to become romantically involved with Anna. Uh, he's uh, Colin's a cyclist as well as... Uh, Anna, they're both uh, in the cycling world. Uh, they're both championship caliber, international races, uh, different things like that. Um, so there was some type of a break in the relationship between uh, Caitlin and Colin, like I said. So he becomes romantically involved with her. Uh, what sparked the breakup? That's what I'd like to know. Was there any type of domestic violence? Was she a violent person? Did she have these violent outbursts? That's something that I'd like to be asking Colin if I was the uh, first detective on the scene and starting the investigation. That's the kind of questions I'd be asking him. Uh, Billy, you brought up a great point. How come he purchased two firearms and gave one to her? Was there any kind of a history? I would also be looking to talk to friends, previous relationship. Was there violence in her history. Now, we know in these domestic violence cases, you want to call them a crime of passion, a love triangle. It seems like the person that does the killing gets a blind rage. It appears that she became so enraged when she found out about this uh, alleged, uh, short, very short, it sounded like a couple of weeks uh, hookup, you want to call it. Uh, she found out about it in January. She supposedly was so enraged at the time she found out that she was shaking and she blurted out that she was going to kill Anna. Uh, what happened between January and now? We don't know the answers to that. That's some of the questions that I would be asking as well. But there's a, a couple of things I just want to point out. One specifically, you pointed out the pool. They had uh, gone to the pool and gone swimming. Then they went to dinner. Uh, there was a text message before they actually went on that uh, little, I guess you want to call it a date, that short, uh, you know, the, the swimming and then the, the dinner where she said to him, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. But if you just want to be friends, there was some type of text message coming from Anna indicating that, that she's okay. I'm willing to be friends. We'll talk about it. So they did, they did meet. They had some type of, uh, you know, a dinner and, and that swim. Now also uh, there's the video of her car, of I'm going to go to the uh, Caitlin's car in the area picked up from a ring camera. Uh, also when he dropped off, when he Colin drops off Anna at the location within a minute, she has a digital lock within a mid minute. The digital lock is again uh, activated, which indicates that they believe that 
Uh, Caitlin showed up at the apartment within a minute of her getting back there, her being Anna. So then the obvious uh, shots are fired and 911 is called. So uh, one of the other things that I think uh, was brought out that I read, they're saying that the gun that was recovered, her gun, meaning uh, Caitlin's gun was recovered and they believe it's connected to the shooting at the scene over where Anna was shot. So there's uh, a, a lot here to dissect. Uh, she was questioned. However, she didn't make any incriminating statements. They must have conferred with the district attorney on whether or not they can hold her. They were told that they weren't, there wasn't enough evidence at the time to hold her. So they told her she was free to go. I'm sure they were going to try and keep tabs on her, whether they did and were successful or not. I don't know. Maybe they were telling her and she got away. However, now she is in the wind, but the, um, uh, the United States Marshals, the Lone Star Fugitive Task Force has engaged in this case, and I think it's just a matter of time before they will locate her and arrest her. As you can see, there's the wanted um, flyer on the screen. She's wanted by the U.S. Marshals. I want to address a few of you guys um, in the chat because I think that some of you are not. Nana, uh, let me pull this up. Um, Nana J. J, 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 I think the guy did it, and he was in her car because where is the footage of this motorcycle? There's footage of the Cherokee, but how do we know that he wasn't driving the Cherokee? Nana, J, 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 excellent, 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 but I'm going to address that. Um, one of the ways they can not just marry up the video of her going by in her car, but also marry up the cell site hits of her cell phone to where her car is at that time. If her cell site, if her cell phone is pinging a cell site right near where her car is, then I would pretty much say that's her. Here you see the car right there. If in that car, her cell phone is pinging a cell site in that area at that time, I think you got a pretty good bet that it's her, that she's the shooter. Um, Nana JJJ, the guy supplied the guns shortly after Caitlin went on the rampage saying she was going to kill her. Why would you supply guns to someone with a questionable mental state or hostility. I 100% agree with you. I'd like to hear what his explanation is to that. That is a little bit, uh, a little bit ridiculous to supply guns to someone. I think she knew that he was having an affair, and then he buys her a nine millimeter. Yeah, uh, I, that 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 just is not driving so much. I, I'm kind of hoping that that's incorrectly being reported, but it does seem like that that's the case. That after this January blow up where she finds out about it, he then purchases two guns, and I don't know if she convinced him to do it. I don't know what the what the details of that are, but that's very very. Uh, it's just unsettling to that that's being reported because then he's going to have a tremendous amount of guilt and possibly even some criminal capability, uh, culpability. Absolutely. Let me play this from News Nation. Searching for a woman charged with killing a professional cyclist believed to be in a love triangle with her ex-boyfriend. News Nation reporter Tahara Rahman has more from Austin, Texas. Police say Anna Mariah Wilson was staying at this home on Maple Avenue with a friend. She was getting ready for a bicycle race in Heiko, but never made it. According to new police documents, investigators say last Wednesday evening, Wilson met up with another professional cyclist, Colin Strickland, to go to Deep Eddy Pool. Police documents say Strickland and Wilson had a romantic relationship at some point, but the day they went swimming, he was living with his girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong. Police say when Strickland dropped Wilson back off off at the home, he lied about it to Armstrong, telling her he went to drop flowers off for someone and that his phone died. Police say an anonymous friend reported that they were with Armstrong in January when Armstrong learned Strickland was allegedly having a romantic relationship with Wilson. Police say the friend remembered Armstrong saying she was so angry she wanted to kill Wilson. According to the affidavit, investigators tested Armstrong's recovered gun and found, quote, the potential that the same firearm was involved in Wilson's murder is significant. Investigators say security camera footage from a nearby home showed an SUV matching Armstrong's vehicle parked at the house one minute after Wilson entered it and after Strickland had left. Police say Armstrong couldn't explain why her car was there when officers interviewed her. 
That was reporter Tahara Rahman in Austin, Texas. And for more on this case and the search for the suspect, we're joined now by Tracy Walter. She's a former CIA officer and FBI special agent. Uh, good to see you, Tracy. If it were you investigating, how would you be approaching this case? It's good to see you too, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Um, so I think I'd be investigating in several different ways. Uh, the, the first thing, and the thing that's the most interesting to me, um, is is actually I would want to know. I know that she's deactivated her social media accounts, but she was very active on some other kind of tertiary accounts. Armstrong was things like Strava, which is uh, sort of a, an app for cyclists and runners. And, and really that is how she found um, Wilson's location as to where Wilson was. I believe she had been probably tailing them um, for a while. I think the other thing um, is that they perhaps tipped their hand a bit too early um, to her. And this this gave her kind of a head start um, in terms of where she's going. My guess is she's probably headed south um, Mexico. The border is about three and a half-ish hours um, away from Austin. So that's probably what I would be looking at right now. Do you think uh, it's possible that she already made it, you know, past the border? Or do you think that there's a possible way that she can really evade, you know, authorities in the U.S. for very long? It seems like there are just cameras everywhere now. There are GPS devices like her her picture is out there. I 100% agree that she has probably crossed the border at this point. If not, um, I believe that she may have probably harmed herself. This this case to me, just in terms of the uh, arrest around it um, or the questioning and then disappearance is very, harkens to sort of the Brian Laundry, Gabby Petito case um, in terms of how he sort of slipped away. And so I do think that she probably has made it to the border just because there was a bit of a lag time to when the official felony arrest warrant was issued uh, to when she could have crossed the border. How common is this love triangle scenario? You know, I would say it's actually more common than not. And what's so fascinating is one of the things that I see with cases like this. And, you know, I think, you know, we sit back and we look at these and we're like, well, you know, why is no one sort of bringing the male into the mix? Um, you know, just because there's some things that had gone on. And I, I do think things like this are extremely common. Um, you know, Armstrong ha has lived with Strickland for about three years. And also, even more importantly, she seems to be very financially intertwined with him as well. And I think she stands to lose quite a bit besides love um, if this relationship had gone south. And we know a ring camera captured her car around the time of the murder, but the authorities have enough evidence. I mean, they've, they've charged her with homicide. What does it take to bring charges like that? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. And I, I believe that's why initially when they brought her in and questioned her about the vehicle, um, they brought her in on an, on an earlier warrant relating to a, a financial matter completely separate from this. Um, I, at that time, they did not have enough probably to even get a search warrant um, for her home. Um, however, because uh, a firearm was recovered and because it seems like early ballistics show that it probably matches, that is most likely what gave them the felony arrest warrant. All right, we'll see how it plays out. Tracy, thank you. So folks, just so you know, we'll catch you up on this. Um, she fired a number of shots, I believe, or whoever fired the gun in that house that killed Anna Mariah Wilson fired a number of shots. A semi-automatic firearm like a, a 9 millimeter Glock or Smith & Wesson uh, Beretta, whatever type of gun it is, when, when it's fired, it spits out the shell. And the extractor arm grabs a hold of that shell and throws it out of the gun through the ejection port which is either on the right or left side of the gun, depending on the model of the gun. That extractor arm or the tool inside the firearm leaves very precise marks on the side of the cartridge case, or we would call it the spent shell. And there is a, uh, a thing called IBIS, Integrated Ballistics Identification System, which is a microscope that absolutely can match up the marks on that spent shell with the firearm that created those marks. So when they say it's, it, believe me, it's an exact, it's very, it's an exact science. So if they say it's a good possibility, it's that firearm, it's that firearm. But the question is now is whose firearm is it? Just because 
The boyfriend bought two nine millimeters. It was a very good point. Someone brought up in the chat. How do we know he's not the shooter? We don't. I mean, perhaps by his actions and the interview and all of that stuff, investigators may say, ah, I don't, we don't think that he did it. But thinking and knowing is two different things. And charging is also another different thing. Phil. Uh, Billy, I read and it's being reported that they're fairly confident that he's not involved in the shooting. I'm going to base that on what you said, his statements, obviously, but also maybe his cell phone records. Or uh, there was a statement that he was seen in another location at the time of the shooting, whether he was seen on video camera or he was seen with someone, an eyewitness. Uh, it sounds like he has an alibi whether it be a physical person or a video camera that's showing him in another location. So I think that they did come out with that. They made that public. They don't think he's involved in it. However, uh, we're bringing up a very good point here. He supplied the firearm. Was he aware that, uh, you know, uh, she had this type of rage where she might've gone and done something as insane as, as shooting, uh, you know, this young lady, Anna, over this, uh, you know, these are the questions we're going to have to ask. And, you know, what was the purpose? What was the reason? How come suddenly he's been on and off with this girl for about three years? Only recently they purchased two nine millimeters. So I think those are questions that definitely need to be asked. And uh, as I said, the, the reporting is that law enforcement is fairly confident that he's not involved in it. So again, uh, you're going to have to corroborate that, double check it, triple check it, and make sure that the information you're getting is good because we don't want to uh, point the finger at Harren. Meanwhile, it could be him. No, you know something? Uh, look, uh, one of the biggest things in a homicide investigation, of course, is collecting your evidence and finding out exact truths so you can, in an interview, you can use those truths to challenge lies. And when someone is telling lies and you have the truths, the absolute truths, and you challenge them with that, it's a beautiful thing to see as you start dissecting the liar's story with the truth. And the liar knows the truth. So when you start presenting the truth to a liar, it's almost like you know taking one rung of the ladder off the ladder <laughs> each time you, you prove something they're saying is a lie by presenting the truth. And as you said, with the boyfriend, with uh, Colin Strickland, if they have a pretty good idea what time the shooting took place um, and he's not anywhere near that area, then, yeah, that's a pretty damn good alibi. And Billy, I wouldn't go by just his cell phone either because his cell phone is a physical uh, piece of electronics that someone else could have had. And so I think, you know, the fact that his cell phone may not be in the area, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna take that at face value, but I'm going to look a little further to corroborate that he's not in the area other than the fact that his cell phone wasn't there. So there may be, what I read, they seem fairly confident. So maybe there's an eyewitness or a person that's going to back up his alibi or, you know, you can't, uh, if he's on video in another location and it's time stamped and they can corroborate that it was in proper working order and he is in another location, maybe a plate reader or a traffic camera. There's so many other different things that you can corroborate whether a person is at a location or not at a location. So it appears to me, and I'm going to say this with confidence, the marshal service is in this. They're going after uh, Caitlin. Uh, they're fairly confident that Colin's not involved in it in the killing of Anna. So I, I would say that uh, that's the way it seems to be. And I'm sure that, you know, this is not something that happened a few hours ago. This occurred on uh, May the 11th. Here we are on the 23rd. So it's, it's a lot of time has passed and I'm sure that they've, you know, done their research, done their investigation, did their due diligence and they've corroborated uh, what they've been told by Colin and they'll look at the facts and, uh, and I'm sure that uh, they'll put it all together. Uh, one quick point you were talking about when you're, you know, you're testifying at a trial, Billy, and you know, you can present evidence that's scientific, but how you present it is, uh, you know, questioned by a defense attorney and they're there to, you know, impeach your testimony. 
even if you have science on your side, sometimes wording or the way you present it can be misconstrued. You can get a, a doubt in a juror's mind, and that could lead to a uh, an acquittal. We don't want to see that in a case with hard, strong evidence. So obviously, the most important thing is to be professional, do your homework, dot your I's, cross your T's. And that's why the district attorney's office, a lot of times, or the prosecutor, they won't move forward with charges right away because they want to make sure that they have a, a, enough evidence to proceed with a person to be you know, tried and found guilty. Patty L., he's on the run also? No, he's not. He's no. cooperating. Fully cooperating. He's in. Apparently, he's very upset about this. And he is fully cooperating with the with the police. Antonio, you got it exactly the opposite. Their eyes get wide, Bill. No, when someone lies, their eyes constrict. You ever hear of like his he had beady eyes? That's because he's lying. Right. When someone's happy and positive and telling the truth, their eye, their pupils are wide. So, look, it's fifty fifty, and you had it fifty fifty the other way. That's okay. I do that myself. It's uh, it's exactly the opposite. Um, uh, Nana JJJ, it's interesting that the homeowner that was renting the apartment, how did he hear the bicycle going down the alley per affidavit, but didn't hear gunshots? You know, I'm, she she wasn't renting it, but she was staying with a friend, as far yeah. as I know. I don't know where you got that information, Nana. I, she was staying with a friend because a friend came home later on and discovered her lying on the floor of the bathroom uh, dead. So, um I don't know what you're referring to, Nana JJJ, but maybe you could. Uh, She's uh, saying per up. affidavit, there was an affidavit that was uh, reported uh, for the arrest warrant, but I'm not sure exactly what she's talking about there as well, Bill. Okay. Uh, Nana JJ, yeah, and I had no idea that Caitlin would do something to her. Anna probably knew the guy was a player, but that was poor, that was it. Poor lady, only 25 years old. Terrible. Guys, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. And if you're not subscribed, shame on you. Go on to our YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It's free. Give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. And if you feel guilty that you want to support us financially, you can go on our Patreon. We have three different levels. And if you want to become part of the YouTube Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Story family, you can go on our YouTube. We have five, count them, five different levels. And... Um, you can join. I think the first one is the bucket. The second one is backyard beverage. The third one is polish my rack. The fourth one is dipped in butter. And we haven't had, we had one once in the heated dipped in butter realm, but they're gone. So if you want to be the first one in a long time to be in the heated dipped in butter level of the, the YouTube police off the cuff, real crime stories, family, be my guest. It's open for you. <laughs> so it's, you know, this case again, it's all all the evidence is pointing in a specific direction, but you have to make sure that that direction is the correct direction. And my thoughts are that at some point, Caitlin Marie Armstrong is going to surrender. But guess what she's going to surrender with? With an attorney, and she's not going to talk. So they have to build this case both forensically and with uh, with other evidence that they have, uh, circumstantial evidence, of course, build the case with that. Because I, as I said, this crime happened on the 11th of May. Today is the 23rd. So it's coming up uh, two days away from two weeks. Uh, at some point, I think that she probably will surrender. I don't see her like a desperado fleeing into Mexico and putting on a sombrero and uh, hiding under a cactus. I think at some point she's going to surrender. Billy, this is a residential area we're talking about. Almost every house has either a surveillance camera or a ring camera. So there's the one house that's very close to the location where the murder took place, that they see the vehicle pull up and they see the vehicle leave. But now they know what time she returned home. She returned home about, I think it was it was after 9 o'clock p.m. because the, the shooting took place around 8.35. So she returns back to the apartment where she was living with Colin around uh, 9.15, let's just say for argument's sake. So again, there's probably going to be a trail of video that they can put precise locations from when she left the house 
to go into the location where the murder took place and then going back or wherever it is that she went. They'll be able to use, if she had her cell phone with a cell phone technology, they'll also be able to recover video technology from different video surveillance. You know, you, you drive past the gas station, you're on video. You drive past a traffic cam, you're on video. You drive past down a residential block, you're probably on many videos because almost every home has one of those ring cameras, like I said, or some type of surveillance system. So they will do the the legwork, which is going to be, you know, they're going to be diligent about it. It's going to be a little bit tedious, but they will come up with this stuff. And, you know, they're going to have, it seems like they have the ballistic evidence that's recovered from the victim. They have the firearm. They have the, the shell casings that are spent that are going to match the firearm. So there's a lot of different things. And then there's going to be statements. She said she couldn't explain what her car was doing there on the night of the murder when they showed the video. Again, all of these things are going to be things that will be brought out in court that she'll be charged with. And then there's other things that we we may not know about. Maybe her social media. Maybe she made posting. Maybe she may, may have even made threats to... Uh, and on the uh, on social media or through text messaging or different things like that. So there's a lot of stuff that's probably being done as we speak or already has been done. A lot of times, uh, cell phone technology takes a little time to you know to get the information back. But I'm sure that they're right on top of it. And uh, like you said, Billy, it's a matter of time if she doesn't harm herself, which we hope that she doesn't. You know, she should come forward and turn herself in and uh, you know face the music. She'll probably have an attorney if she does do that. And again, uh, if the case is presented properly, uh, the best attorney in the world will have a tough time uh, getting her off on this charge. You know, one of the things, uh, and they brought her in actually on a misdemeanor warrant that turned out not to be uh, active. Right. So at some point during the interview, the interrogation, they had to let her know that she was free to go. So it, it, they couldn't hold her there. Um, back in the day, you know, I, I when, if someone was a suspect, if they didn't ask to leave, I never offered them to leave. Because yeah. I always felt when you had someone in the box, you never let them leave unless they request to leave or they request an attorney. I, you know, many people here probably don't remember the O.J. Simpson case. But two of the most experienced detectives, Lang and Van Adder, they were old hairbags. They were like guys at the time at 35 years on the job. Old timers, late 50s, early 60s, they were. And they made, to me, they made a fatal, fatal mistake. They had O.J. Simpson in the box. He did not ask to leave. And I think they were intimidated by his celebrity. And they let him walk out. And that was it. Once they let him walk out, he lawyered up. That was the only time they had a real good shot at him, at a good interrogation. And in my mind, they blew it because they let him leave. He should have never walked out of there. He should have walked out of there in handcuffs. And that, he was that's talking. That's a good point, Billy. That's a good point. He was talking, and yeah, he didn't kidding. ask to leave. They let him leave. Yeah. I, you and know, he was I would, also my, making misstatements, too. They con He con uh, contradicted himself several times. So in that interview, you're right. They had him on the ropes and they kind of let him go. And yeah, he had a cut on his hand that he couldn't explain. And they didn't know this at the time, but his blood was in the crime scene. I mean, it was just like they, to me, you know, they should have never let him leave. And they did. And you know, look, look, I mean, there were so many mistakes made on that case that uh, I didn't even want to go over all of them, but uh let me play some of this. U.S. Marshals are searching for a woman in Texas accused of shooting and killing an up-and-coming cyclist from the Bay Area. Investigators believe it may be the result of a love triangle. 25-year-old Mariah Wilson lived in San Francisco and recently burst onto the competitive cycling scene. Last week, she went to Austin, Texas for a race, but she was found dead in the home where she was staying. There's now a search for this woman, Caitlin Armstrong, she was dating a professional cyclist who had a prior relationship with Wilson. Investigators say Armstrong grew jealous of that relationship, tracked Wilson down, and killed her. Wilson's friends in the Bay Area are stunned. You can just tell right away she was a very special person. You know, she was intelligent. She was approachable, um, uh, you know, a, a modest. You know, she didn't have a lot of people in the cycling world have maybe a bit of an ego. That was not her. Her family's raising money to fund community organizations in her honor, and a scholarship fund is in the works as well. Now to a developer. 
just just horrendous you know just horrendous uh, a girl like uh you know look we go to phil we went to hundreds of different murder scenes and you know uh, they're all different, you know what it is, but uh, we used to say there were real homicides and there were homicides that are like uh, sort of street homicides, you know, people that are players in the drug trade, people caught that up are in the, uh, yeah. right in the criminal trade. And when they get killed, it's almost like, well, that was the risk you took uh, playing in this game. Not that they deserve to die, but that was the risk they took. But a girl like this uh, that was living her life uh, in an admirable way, was a world famous cyclist. You know, was had everything to live for. You don't expect someone like that uh, to be killed. You really don't. You really don't expect that. And when it happens, it's uh, it's 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 upsetting to everyone, right? Nana uh, JJJ, I, I like your uh, I like your questions in the chat. I don't work in law enforcement, but I work in occupation where we do intellectual interviews, certified in cognitive interviewing. I always pick at the most unreal and try to work backward from there. That is one technique. You know, Nana uh, JJJ, um, NYPD detectives are basically taught their interview and interrogation skills on the job. Then they they learn a lot of, they go to um, what's called a criminal investigation course, and they learn from that. But what you're talking about some of those skills, and they use them in psychology, they're great skills to have. I remember there was this great detective from Manhattan Special Victims. His name is John Savino. And he wrote a book called The Rape Investigation Handbook. And he always told me, like, I asked him, what is your technique in interview and interrogation? He goes, I like to get the person in the room and start from the beginning of their day and have them tell me what they did each step of their day. And I don't mean like, oh, I brushed my teeth. That's not important. But what did you do each step of the day? I got up in such and such a time. I went here. I went there. Where did you have to, you know, because people don't, you know, they don't lie about the mundane. But then when there's something important, that's when they lie. So that's how he could always tell when he caught a perpetrator in, in a lie. Yeah, Billy, what you're doing, I mean, that was kind of my technique as well. I would try to look when I walked into the room, you know, there's good cop, bad cop. They say sometimes me and my partner were both good cops. Sometimes we were both bad cop. And sometimes we were good cop, bad cop. But what you try to do is you try to, you know, almost start a relationship with that person. So you're asking them these questions, typical questions. You're trying to get a feel for, like you said, what they did during that day. Where, where were they earlier that day before the incident took place? You're trying to get them to get comfortable. So that way, when they do get a hard question, they tell a lie. You can tell by their their physical appearance. You can tell by the way they respond to it. Uh, and, and you just sort of pick up like you were talking about how the pupils will dilate. Sometimes you hit somebody with something uh, like uh, some type of an accusation. You'll see a physical response to it. Not only uh, their eyes may be dilating, the pupil dilating, but you'll see a physical response. They'll look away, they'll look down, whatever it is. So that's my interview and interrogation, what I always try to do. And you're right, Billy. You know, it's not something that's taught out of a handbook when you go through the police academy. Obviously, they tell you uh, basics about interviewing people and stuff like that, how to get, you know, pertinent information and stuff, but it comes with the experience. You're talking to a person and I think it's just human nature. You start to pick up on it. You, you, you know, a lot of the facts when you go into the room to talk to that person, you know, a good deal about what's going on in the case. So again, if you're talking about just everyday stuff, what'd you do this morning? Where'd you go? Where you've been? You're getting the feel for that person. You're talking with them. Now you see that they're a matter of factly about their moving about during the day. But then when you get to the meat of the questioning, when you're talking about the actual incident, that's when you'll pick up right away on their their body language and other different characteristics that they're going to, they're almost going to let you know that they're not telling the truth. Exactly. Michelle Bollard. Thank you so much for the seven ninety nine super sticker. Very much appreciated. I'm seeing some thank names you, in the chat. I'm really, uh, you know, uh, Nana JJJ, are you new? Put a one in the chat. If you're new to watching police off the cuff, real crime stories, but I appreciate your questions. They're very well thought of, uh, and you you know this case pretty well. The main thing for me is Colin's social media testament declaring his innocence. First thing you do in any criminal investigation is be quiet. But he needed to declare his innocence, his behavior. So, you know, Nana JJJ, I'm not declaring him innocent at all. You know, something, you're right. Uh, what did Shakespeare say? 
you doth protesteth too much. Right? Yeah. And that's you know what thing. though? Listen, from his point of view, uh, he's probably feeling very guilty that it's obviously a love triangle. Then the other thing is he supplied the gun. So, and he's in a community, he's in the cycling community himself. So I think he probably did that for the purposes of letting people know, uh, he had nothing to do with it because he doesn't want the hate coming to him. And listen, it's a defense mechanism. He may or may not be out of the woods on this case. We don't know yet. I'm sure it's going to play out and we'll find out. But again, that is good points. And that uh, Nana JJJJ, there's four J's, I believe. There. Very good question. <laughs> I cut one J off. Yeah. Let me play this video here. A suspect who they say killed a world-class cyclist after a love triangle took a deadly turn. The U.S. Marshal put out a wanted poster for Caitlin Armstrong and police charging her with homicide in the killing of fellow cyclist Mariah Wilson after they say they... You know, folks, I just want to point this out. No one gets charged with homicide. The, the media makes that. This is the second time I heard them make that mistake, that mistake. They get charged with murder or manslaughter. No one gets charged. Homicide is, is, it was declared the, the method of how it happened. But murder is the charge or manslaughter. No one gets charged with homicide. Uncovered, she had a fling with her boyfriend, cyclist and Red Bull athlete Colin Strickland. What the marshals will do is look at the background of the suspect, Caitlin Armstrong, and they're going to see what type of phone she has, who are her relationships. According to an affidavit, Wilson and Strickland went swimming hours before she was killed May 11th, and Strickland lied to Armstrong about his whereabouts. Austin police found Wilson dead that evening after a friend came home and found her unconscious and bleeding with gunshot wounds. Wilson's friends stunned. According to the affidavit, Armstrong's car was recorded on a ring camera around the same time that she was killed. Soon after police questioned Armstrong, she disappeared. The Lone Star Fugitive Task Force is investigating, fearing she may have fled the country. Strickland, the man in the middle, clarified the relationship timing, saying he is fully cooperating. He said he had a brief romantic relationship toward the end of last year with Wilson when she visited Austin. He says soon after, he reconciled and resumed his relationship with Armstrong while keeping a platonic and professional relationship with Wilson. These type of murders where people kill each other because of, of love triangles or jealousy um, actually are fairly common. Wilson's family releasing a statement saying in part her life was taken from her before she had the opportunity to achieve everything she dreamed of. We do feel it's important to clarify that at the time of her death, those closest to her clearly understood directly from Mariah that she was not in a romantic relationship with anyone. According to the affidavit, witnesses say they heard Armstrong make threats against Wilson and that she told someone she was so angry she wanted to kill her and she was thinking about buying a gun. Potentially many red flags in this case as officials continue to untangle what happened. So, I mean, you see she's got uh, some motive there. She uh, spoke about killing a Nana J, 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 J. Thank you for the $5 super sticker. Very much appreciate it. I'll get your name correctly. The, the, Bill, between the you and Nana, I don't know. You're trying to steal Joe Murray's thunder with all the stuff. <laughs> the thought, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, Nana JJJJJJ. She's a new um, police off the cuff subscriber fan. Thank you so Thank much. You. We appreciate you guys. So you could see that um, she sort of tipped her hand, and uh, that is strong evidence. Also, it's circumstantial but it can be very strong evidence. You know, the the whole thing is really sad. When you look at those two beautiful women, they're both very pretty women. Uh, obviously, um, Anna was a victim of uh, someone with very low self-esteem. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're both, uh, you know, very pretty women, like I said. And, and I think that, um, I'm losing her name here, uh, 
Caitlin, these names are getting me crazy, but Caitlin, she, she sounds like she was very low self-esteem and she had the violent tendency. She was talking about killing her. She was talking about uh, purchasing a gun. So it's really sad. I mean, her life is not going to be, you know, she, she, she threw a good chunk of her life away at this point. And, uh, it's, it's the motive is there. Uh, a lot of the, the evidence is there, uh, it seems like there may have even been some red flags. I mean, if she was talking about in January, uh, she went into a frenzy, was shaking. She was so shaken by the fact that she found out that there was a, a bit of a romantic relationship between Colin and Anna. So I, I, I don't know if, um, you know, it was, it was that she was so enraged that they were still cycling together. They were still in races together. They had this professional relationship together and she just couldn't take it, whatever it was. But, uh, it's really sad on both ends. It's a terrible, terrible story. And, uh, I just don't know what goes through people's minds. It's like they snap, uh, they get blinded, uh, by rage and they don't see anything else but trying to get revenge or get even or hurt that other person we've seen it so many times billy in our careers i'm sure you've seen it as many times as i have or more but uh, it's just and you scratch your head and you say to yourself what could be going through this person's mind but uh i guess that would be something that uh maybe a psychologist could answer at some point but it's just it's really terrible on both ends Anna Wilson, better known by her middle name Mariah, was pronounced dead on Wednesday night at home on Maple Avenue near 18th Street. Austin police were called there after a friend of Wilson's returned home to find the 25-year-old unconscious with gunshot wounds. APD has identified a person of interest and does not believe the shooting was random. They're urging anyone with information or video of what happened to give them a call. Now, according to the cycling magazine Velo, Wilson was in Texas ahead of today's gravel locos race in Heiko, where she was a favorite to win. Bello published a statement from her family saying she was, quote, always pushing tirelessly to reach her goals. We knew she was pursuing that which she loved. The family adding, we know Mariah would want the event to carry on. You know, so sad, really. It's just yeah, a, a, the life of a, a real a winner, a real uh, achiever, a person that was going to achieve great things, a person that probably would have gave a lot back to the world. Marvo Wright. Thanks. Um, wait, I just, you moved in the chat. Thanks uh, for the welcomes, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us and thank, thank you for your you, kind Mom. words in regards to our coverage of the Gonzalo uh, Lopez case, which we're going to get back to. Duty Ron said that <laughs> he said something very funny the other night. I had covered, I had uh, uh, presented like six episodes of the Gonzalo Lopez case and my last one, Duty Ron said, you squeezed the lemon so hard that there wasn't one bit of juice left in it with that case. <laughs> well, th thank you, Duty Ron. I, I, I try, you know. The lemon may get rejuvenated if some more facts come out about it. but uh, That's for know. sure. Well, it's really, listen, it's really an interesting case when you think about it. I mean, a guy is 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 breaks out of jail in a transport and all of this other shooting going on and cutting through gates. So there's so many moving parts. It's almost like a, a motion picture, the whole story. So I could understand the interest in that case for sure. Mr. Anna Chris, I was a bike messenger in both New York City and San Francisco. Raced amateur a few times. It was mostly dudes in the 80s. Even back then, it was very immoral. I'm not, oh, you're talking about the, the circuit, the bicycle circuit, there was a lot yeah. going on that we don't know about. Uh, so it's a whole lifestyle within a lifestyle, I guess, right? Um, uh, Patty Banks, remember astronaut Lisa Nowak planned to kidnap and kill someone she considered a romantic rival for the affection of another astronaut? You know, yes. people people in love and people in, you know, there's the passion in with sex and love and relationships you know, frequently becomes violent or becomes, they, they come, become murder. And what else is more passionate than, than relationships and can become more violent, lead to violence? You know, it's just, it, it is crazy. Um, Billy, in the Lisa Nowak case, when she found out that her lover was with that other astronaut, 
across the country. She got in a car, she bought adult diapers and drove across the country with adult diapers on so she wouldn't wouldn't have to stop to pee. So she wanted to get there in such a rage to, you know, to bring harm to this other person. So again, like I said, the blinders go on. It's just uh, the, the passion is so, uh, it, it must be something to do with narcissism where the person just can't take the defeat that they lost a lover to someone else. And they just, they, they just lose it. They snap and, and they do these crazy, crazy things. So I'm sure there's a component of narcissism in there too. Yeah. Cat, did they give up looking for Gonzalo? Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Everyone's still looking for him. I just don't think he's where that they said he was. I don't I think agree. he's in that five-mile perimeter anymore. They've had to move it outside. Phil and I and many other people covering this case believe it's an inside job. We still believe it to the end of time. Schmitty, thank you so much for the $2 super chat. I feel she harmed herself gravely. So said, yeah, she destroyed her life. You know, If, in fact, she did this, she destroyed her life getting revenge like why was that necessary maybe it was necessary to leave this guy maybe you didn't have the relationship you thought you had he was having an affair and uh you know it, it went bad and maybe you didn't want to face it and uh so instead you kill somebody uh you know that's that's crazy uh phil you know, let's I go to a quick uh let's go to a quick uh, commercial break Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Looking for a vacation oasis to comfort in Oceanside in sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida, as you covered. Take a dip in the outdoor heated pool with a water slide for the kids. Have a cocktail pool slide or relax in the Oasis Courtyard Lounge. Just a short walk to the best restaurants and shops in the Deerfield Beach International Fishing Pier. Soak up the sun, swim in the pristine blue ocean, or stroll along the famous beach. Maybe enjoy a sunset from a beachside restaurant. Guests enjoy a complimentary breakfast and fresh brewed coffee 24-7. If you mention police off the cuff at booking, you'll receive a 20% discount. That's right, a 20% discount. So book your, t your stay today by calling 954 428-0650. So, folks, you know, it's funny. Uh, we do that commercial, and Joe Murray has been probably the biggest uh, commercial supporter of Police Off the Cuff since I started this podcast. He's been with us for a while, and uh, he, he takes an ad every single month, and he keeps re-upping it. And people reach out to me all the time on email. Oh, do you got Joe Murray's phone number? I go, I post it every single night on our show. Can't you just go look at the show? And pull up the meme, I guess it's called, or the flyer. So I said, just email me and I'll resend it to you. Uh, so, yeah, people, uh, I guess it's working. He's getting business. But sometimes he gets calls from out of state, and that doesn't really help him because he doesn't represent people in Florida. He doesn't. He represents people in the New York City metropolitan area. If he was going to fly to California, he'd have to be making uh, – big dollars to do that you know so um well if caitlin gets a hold of him he could uh you know he can arrange a surrender so he could get involved in it that way you know and give us some counseling i guess but yeah he can't represent uh down in uh, texas i guess no but you know as we said he's a fantastic attorney fantastic Absolutely. guy retired police officer uh former boxer he's a big boy too he's about he's about six two about I'm going to be kind. He's about 260. I know he's about 280, but he's about 260. <laughs> what a hell of a right. <laughs> he's a big boy. So there, there on the screen there is that the, um, that's the trio, the love triangle. Yeah. It's, uh, Colin Strickland, 35 years old, Caitlin Marie Armstrong, 34 years old. And did we mention she's a yoga instructor? Yes. Uh, she is the accused alleged shooter. And, the one all the way to the right is Anna Mariah Wilson. Uh, she's 25, and she was found dead on May 11th in Austin, uh, in Texas, after she arrived from San Francisco to take part in a race in the city of Hico. And she was staying at a friend's house. So um, all of these things will come out in the investigation, of course, and they have come out. But at this point, 
the federal marshals are looking for her. Uh, my prediction is she, since she's not a desperado, she probably will turn herself in at some point with counsel. And I would think I would think at that point they will have enough evidence, both circumstantial and forensic evidence, to uh, make the arrest. Billy, on the surface, there was that uh, interview that you showed of the CIA, former CIA officer, former FBI agent, uh, and she made uh, remarks about that there would be catastrophic uh, results if the relationship was stopped on on uh, Caitlin's end because she was financially involved with Colin. I'm not seeing that at the surface. I mean, you know, how catastrophic could it be? She's a yoga instructor. Uh, she could get back out on her feet. She doesn't look like she'd have too much trouble dating. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there was so much of a financial burden on her back if she did lose uh, Colin to Anna, that it would call for such a drastic thing. But again, we did talk about how sometimes when people are spurned that they get that tunnel vision. Uh, you know, there's the old saying, hell hat, no fury like that of a woman scorned. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, this is really just a sad case. It's a, it's a terrible thing. And uh, I'd really, really like to know, though, what her history is with uh, other boyfriends or dating, you know, she's 35 years old. I don't think this was her first uh, relationship. So I would really like to know what uh, her past experience was. And again, we don't know, maybe she had a criminal record for domestic violence too. So I'm that's sure some of the things that uh, they'd be looking at. Uh, one of the things about the domestic violence, if she did have an arrest, that would preclude her from owning a firearm. That may be why the boyfriend uh, Colin purchased the firearm too. I'm just spitballing here. I don't know for sure, but uh, those are some of the things I definitely like to have answers to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, if he knew he was having this affair, what uh, the timing of buying her a gun? To me, it doesn't make a lot Morning, of sense. Morning, Texas authorities urgently searching for a suspect who they say killed a world-class cyclist after a love triangle took a deadly turn. The U.S. Marshal put out a wanted poster for Caitlin Armstrong and police charging her with homicide in the killing of fellow cyclist Mariah Wilson after they say they uncovered she had a fling with her boyfriend, cyclist and Red Bull athlete Colin Strickland. What the Marshals will do is look at the background of the suspect. Caitlin Armstrong, and they're going to see what type of phone she has, who are her relationships. According to an affidavit, Wilson and Strickland went swimming hours before she was killed May 11th, and Strickland lied to Armstrong about his whereabouts. Austin police found Wilson dead that evening after a friend came home and found her unconscious and bleeding with gunshot wounds. Wilson's friends stunned. According to the affidavit, Armstrong's car was recorded on a ring camera around the same time that she was killed. Soon after police questioned Armstrong, she disappeared. The Lone Star Fugitive Task Force is investigating, fearing she may have fled the country. Strickland, the man in the middle, clarified the relationship timing, saying he is fully cooperating. He said he had a brief romantic relationship toward the end of last year with Wilson when she visited Austin. He says soon after, he reconciled and resumed his relationship with Armstrong while keeping a platonic and professional relationship with Wilson. These type of murders where people kill each other because of, of love triangles or jealousy um, actually are fairly common. Wilson's family releasing a statement saying in part, her life was taken from her before she had the opportunity to achieve everything she dreamed of. We do feel it's important to clarify that at the time of her death, those closest to her clearly understood directly from Mariah that she was not in a romantic relationship with anyone. According to the affidavit, witnesses say they heard Armstrong make threats against Wilson and that she told someone she was so angry she wanted to kill her. Folks, I know that I played this earlier in the show. It's sort of like the end of the class review. I was just reviewing to make sure you guys got all the... <laughs> I wasn't sure if you knew myself. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I knew I played it okay. before. I just wanted to give a review because we're probably going to cover this case again. Um, tomorrow, we're planning on uh, covering the Gonzalo Lopez case, provided we have some new information because Duty Ron says I squeezed every bit of juice out of that lemon. So I need a new lemon. I need some new lemon juice. So um, hopefully there'll be some new information on it. Um, Tony Monti, uh, 
still not buying the plutonic swim story. Not that the Gale should have been murdered, but I'm not sure their relationship was over. Uh, she was tracker one of them beforehand, traveled with a gun. At Joe Murray, how does it affect a temporary insanity? Defense doesn't sound good. No, I don't think she's going to get a temporary insanity. You know, in 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 the crime of manslaughter, they they have that um, that subdivision where if you know basically losing your mind temporarily. Uh, I don't know if it's called insanity, but uh, that could be argued in manslaughter to get a to get a lesser charge. Uh, Schmitty, so that. Those are the lemons that I squeezed to, to, right, the very, to the very, very last drop. So um, we'll see what we can come up with tomorrow with the Gonzalo Lopez. I know that Duty Ron is going to be covering that case tomorrow. I think he's going to have, um, I forget the woman, Koffendorfer's first name. She's an FBI agent. I think he's planning on having her on his show. I don't know where these news stations get all these FBI agents. They come out of the woodwork, you know, Uh the last one who was CIA and FBI, I'm like, wow. But I well, never knew that the CIA worked murders. I'm like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, Billy, we have uh, Greg Holmes, who's a retired United States Marshal with, I th- believe, about 37 years experience. I've been in touch with him. Going to have a conversation with him tomorrow. Hopefully, if everything goes well, we'll have him on tomorrow or the next day to give commentary. I guess he could give commentary on both of these cases since the U.S. Marshals are uh, involved in both of these investigations. Okay, so Phil, that adds some more juice to the lemon then. So there we go. We'll be that able, lemon, that we'll lemon be able to squeeze that lemon enough. a little bit more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Phil, I'm going to give you, I know you have uh, an, an announcement to make you want to say about a police officer friend who, who you lost recently. Uh, final words, Phil. Yeah, over the weekend, uh, very unfortunately, on Saturday evening, a good friend, uh, police officer who's retired, uh, Christopher DeJoy, was killed in a car accident. Um, I remember him from Coney Island. He worked in PSA 1. He was a housing police officer. He retired after about 10 years. I believe he uh, injured his uh, his gun hand and doing some enforcement on the job. And uh, But he was just a real funny guy. I can remember a lot of funny uh things that I did with him. We always had a good time whenever we went out. Uh, I got a lot of calls over the last few days. I lost track of some of the friends. I didn't talk to Chris on a regular basis, but uh, within hours of him uh, having the accident and being killed, I did start to get uh, some messages from old friends. And unfortunately it it happens in life where uh, life takes you in different directions. And uh, I I wound up talking to friends from that time. That was the eighties and the nineties that I hadn't talked to in quite some time. And uh, when we got together, we kind of over the last day or two said we should all try and not let life get in the way of seeing one another. Of course, you don't know uh, when you're, you're going upstairs that, you know, the clock is punched and your time is up. And uh, it was real unfortunate. But, Chris, I know you're probably making jokes up there uh, in heaven, but uh, you were a funny guy. You're a good guy. Uh, you're going to be sorely missed. And uh, obviously condolences to your family. And God bless my brother. Good man, Chris DeJoya. Unfortunately taken too soon. May he rest in peace. You know, I don't ordinarily um, quote – rock stars, but John Lennon made one of the uh, most famous quotes that I thought was so apropos and so true that I have to repeat it. He said, life is what happens when you're busy making plans to do other things. And that's so true. Oh, it's boy. So, it's that so damn true. situation, 100%. Really yeah, bad. and he just hit it on the head with that quote, and I just wanted to leave everyone with that. And I just want one other thing, folks. We're growing here at Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. We're having a great time. Channel's growing. We're bringing in some new subscribers, some new fans. I just want to thank all you guys for supporting us because, believe it or not, doing this every day, it's not easy, and uh, we want to give you good and accurate information with a sense of humor, too, you know? There's got to be a sense of humor to this, even though many times it's the most serious things uh, you'll ever hear or will ever talk about. But there has to be a sense of humor with it. I profoundly... uh, believe in that so folks without further ado i want to wish you a great night and again thank you for all your support god bless stay safe everyone One episode, just